Sometimes, the best stories in golf aren't found on tour. You'll find them at the back of the range. And now, your host, Ben Adelberg. Thanks again for joining me here at the Back of the Range Golf Podcast. I am your host, Ben Adelberg. This is episode 61. As you all know, I just spent the previous weekend hanging out at my second consecutive Champions Tour event. This time, I was at the Classics course at the Laley Resort in Naples, hanging out at the Chubb Classic. Had a great time meeting some listeners, making some new friends with a handful of the players and some caddies. Always fun. And you know, you just might hear some of these Champions Tour players on the podcast later this year. So stay tuned for that. And again, go check out a Champions Tour event if they roll into your city. Before we get to this week's episode, which I know you're all going to love, let's talk about our new theme music. Yes, it sounds a little similar to our previous music, but this version was put together by a South Florida band called Rogue Theory. When I'm not working on the next episode for the Back of the Range, I actually do a little work for some local bands here in the area. Golf and music seem to go together pretty well. Think about Hootie and the Blowfish, Jake Owen, and of course my favorite, Jake Trout and the Flounders. If you don't know that last band, go look it up. You'll be pleasantly surprised. Anyways, Rogue Theory is a great band. Check them out if you're down here in South Florida. And stay tuned to the end of this episode. You'll hear one of their original tunes, two-thirds, and I'll have links to their stuff in the show notes. So thanks to Harry, Johnny, Mr. Hayes for reworking the intro for us this week, and look forward to catching up with you guys very soon. Another very cool thing happened over the weekend. Golf stars recognized the Back of the Range Golf Podcast as... Well, a golf podcast on the rise, so to speak. And we just wanted to say thanks to them for including us in their list. Go check out those guys at Golf Stars. That's golf underscore stars with a Z. Check them out on Instagram. They're always posting cool content. Read their blog. Tell them that you listen to the back of the range. We have new merch ordered, old merch still in stock. And you know, the only way you're going to get that is to leave a review in Apple Podcast or shoot me an email. Let me know what you think of the podcast. We love feedback. We love hearing ideas from our listeners about what you want to hear moving forward. So all of that information, the social media channels, the website, the email address, it's all available in the show notes of this episode. And for everything you need, don't forget, go to thebackoftherange.com. Our guest this week truly embodies the mission statement, so to speak, of this podcast. We are all about the stories here. Exceptional stories for mid-ams or senior ams seem to be what the listener base has really been gravitating to. So if that sounds like you, this episode is right up your alley. I had to work really hard to get my buddy Hieronimo Esteve to be a guest on this podcast. He's very humble, but I said, Hero, your story is perfect. I finally broke his spirit and got him to agree to share some time with me on the podcast. I'm glad I caught up with him a couple weeks ago because today he's actually in Puerto Rico getting ready to play in the PGA Tour's Puerto Rico Open. That's right, a mid-am about to play in a PGA Tour event. More on that later. Geronimo is very proud of his Puerto Rican heritage. He has competed in the Latin America Championship four times, made the cut four times. He's been a representative of Puerto Rico for the World Amateur Championships. He's played in numerous USGA championships as well. We talk about how he ended up playing college golf at Dartmouth, how he balances a busy family life with his golf ambitions, and the story of the 2011 U.S. Mid-Am. 
that all started with a routine visit to the tailor to get a suit for his sister's wedding. You do not want to miss this story. So, Geronimo, it has been worth the wait. Thank you so much for joining me here at the back of the range. Hey, man, happy to do it. Hey, I've been, I got to tell you, full disclosure, behind, this, behind the curtain of this podcast, when I started this idea back in about August or September of 2017, I had a list of the names that I was like, I got to get that guy on the podcast, and I'm going to embarrass you in front of all the people listening. You were at the very, very top of that list. because Man, I, I don't know why, man. Come on. See, <laughs> all right, we're going to need to work on your self-esteem after this episode, but we'll do that off the air. But no, seriously, I wanted you, th- I wanted you on this really, really bad because you have just an absolutely phenomenal story of not only incredible amateur golf accomplishments playing in multiple USGA championships, but you know, where you started, what you've kind of been through over the last, you know, seven or eight years and things you've been able to do. So um, we always kind of start at the beginning, kind of give our listeners a little bit of an idea where you grew up, how you got into the game of golf. Where are you from? Where are you born and raised, sir? Yeah, so I was uh, born and raised in, uh, in Guaynabo, Puerto Rico, which is a little town just south of San Juan. Um, it's kind of like the... Um, it's, uh, you know, in the metropolitan area there of Puerto Rico. And then sure. uh, I grew up playing golf uh, just west, uh, at beach town just west called Dorado. And uh, there was a great resort there um, called the, the Hyatt Dorado Beach. And uh, I had uh, two championship golf courses. And, uh, you know, everybody, you know, all my dad's friends were members. And when you're growing up, you know, that's, you kind of go there and, and, and play and hang out on the weekends and ride bikes and go to the beach and the pool and all that stuff. And, uh, so that's where I grew up playing, you know, and, uh, that's where Chi Chi lived and his brothers gave lessons. And, uh, yeah, man, it was, uh, it was, it was, it was a great place to, to grow up and, you know, play a little, a lot of golf as a kid, took lessons from Chi Chi, which was cool. Um, and, uh, you know, my dad really taught me how to play. Um, and, uh, you know, played, played a lot of golf with him, but back then there were, there were really no other juniors, you know, I, okay. I don't, I don't ever remember playing with other kids. Um, so, you know, as it, like anything else, you lose interest, right. When, you know, I love my dad and I love being with him, but, uh, yeah, but you reach that age where it's like, it's not cool to hang out with your dad. Sometimes you want to go hang with the rest of the guys. And if they're not at the golf course, you're going to find where they're at. Yeah. Um, so, you know, you do other stuff, play baseball, that yeah. kind of stuff, basketball, <laughs> And then, uh, we, uh, we moved to Miami and, uh, and when we moved to Miami in 1990, um, man, I really didn't really touch a golf club. Um, you know, new school, new surroundings, uh, you know, started playing soccer, uh, started playing, you know, more baseball, uh, you know, started playing American football, which I really liked and took to, uh, and then, you know, golf was in the back burner. So, but not to cut you off, but I just had, I, this is a question I have for you. I'm assuming English is not your first language. No, you learn. you know, you, no, no, you grew up in, in Spanish, but, right. but my mom, my mom actually grew up in New Jersey. She spent a lot of time oh, in New Jersey. Okay. So, so her English, my mom's English is perfect. And, uh, you know, when you're, when you're down there in Puerto Rico, they, they teach English in school. And then believe it or not, like, I think I picked up English, uh, watching cartoons, uh, that are that are dubbed in, in Spanish. Okay. Uh, so I think that's kind of how you learn English, or at least I, I feel like I learned English and then obviously we travel and stuff like that. But, um, yeah, so I, I don't remember not knowing English. I, I just, okay. I just remember watching a lot of cartoons 
uh, in English or Spanish subtitles. Okay, because I because um, I, I knew you were born and raised in Puerto Rico. I was just curious what that transition was like. You know, like you, and you just mentioned the new school and new surroundings, but you pretty much jumped right in and then played other sports. When did golf get back in in the forefront? Yeah, I mean, so ninth grade, I started a new high school, and I went from like this very liberal. Um, you know, I want to, I don't want to say cutting edge, but yeah, it was like a very liberal, very, uh, culturally diverse, uh, junior high school. And I went to this, uh, all boys Catholic, you know, very strict, uh, you know, school that I hated at first, man. I mean, I hated it, man. Um, my, my freshman and sophomore years were miserable, man. Um, so, you know, I knew a couple of kids, but, you know, like anything else, when you're a freshman in all boys school, you know, you were wearing coat and tie to, to class and oh. very lectured. And it's just it was brutal, man. And, uh, you know, uh, just trying to meet people, and make friends. And uh, I remember there was a golf team. OK. And uh, and I remember thinking to myself, man, I could, man, I can play golf. I could maybe join the golf team. Sure. So uh, so I joined the golf team and. Uh, Man, I'll never forget it. Like the first tournament, you know, I hadn't played golf in I don't know how long, man. Um, but go out and I think I shot like 58 or something for nine holes. And uh, my dad came and watched, you know. And uh, man, that guy, that like, you know, it was in competition. I think I finished last on the team, but it was something that I could do with other guys from school. And I, I think I and I thought I could be good at it, you know. So, so I remember asking my dad for help, and uh, you know, I, and I was like, Dad, you know, I. You know, I want to start playing golf, and man, that's all he had to hear. You know, oh, like yeah. he was, yeah, he was. I got, wait- I got my he, son back. Yeah, 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 man. He was like, it was like he was waiting for those words for for eight years. You know, so man, and we went all in. You know, and, and started taking lessons first at the club, and you know, then uh, I used to work a lot with the guys at uh, at Jim McLean. I had this teacher named Brian Lebedovich, um, and then another guy called Brian Hunt really, really helped me out a lot, man. And I used to go after school and drive right over to Jim McLean there in Doral you know, and play nine holes with those guys and kind of gamble with them. And, you know, that, that helped my game a lot. Um, and then I, I kept getting better. And, you know, the only thing is when, when I was a kid, I, I really only played high school golf. The, uh, you know, we, uh, we, my family traveled a lot, man. We, you know, uh, we spent some time on the boat. Um, you know, my dad traveled for work and we kind of always tag along in the summer. So, man, I played minimal, minimal junior tournaments. Uh, okay. I think, I think I played one AJGA. Um, I played, uh, you know, I think I played the state junior once, but it was, you know, we never like, you know, now kids like, you know, even my kids, like you do everything around their sports. But I remember when I, when, you know, when I was growing up, man, like our sports were totally secondary to whatever, like the family was doing, right. you know? Um, so yeah, I didn't play much uh, junior golf, uh, but, you know, it was pretty good in high school. I think my senior year, I, I led Dade County in scoring um, and uh, uh, played a tournament down in, in the Dominican Republic and in Casa de Campo, actually, at the at the it, it, was, it used to be called like the World Junior or something. Right. Um, and uh, and played well and actually was leading that tournament for a while. And then, uh, man, got a tape out and, you know, a couple of schools and I had I had good grades and whatnot or decent grades and it did well on my tests and uh you know, caught the eye of a couple of coaches and, uh, and, uh, I, I went to Darwin and took a visit and, uh, man, just fell in love with the school. Now, um, now, now, hold on. Let me slow you down here. You're, you're, you're born and raised in Puerto Rico. You moved to South Florida. You're playing in 
I mean, anything you're doing outside for the most part is warm weather. You're in shorts. You're playing golf courses down here. Everything is Bermuda. And the school you pick is in Hanover, New Hampshire. <laughs> where, yeah, man. <laughs> and how did you how did you fall in love with that? Because I, I don't know a whole lot, but I can't imagine it's too warm up there uh, for too many months of the year. Yeah, so actually, little known fact, like a, a lot of Puerto Ricans ski, believe it or not. So I actually Man, grew we up are like covering all sorts of stuff on this podcast. This is amazing. Yes. All right, go ahead. Yeah, Puerto Rican yeah, ski yeah. team. Go ahead. Sorry. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, and the Puerto Rican ski team would be legit. I mean, I know some guys that are legit skiers. Um, <laughs> <That's> <laughs> no, awesome. man. But yeah. So, you mean, we, you know, I'm not scared of snow, man. I, you know, I gone skiing, not a bunch, but I gone skiing. We had, uh, I had cousins in Miami that all were great skiers. So, so we went skiing quite a bit, man. And, uh, uh, you know, Dartmouth is obviously a great school. Um, Ivy League, I was, man. I mean, that's 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 can't get much better than that. Yeah, man, it, it was great. And then uh, I was always been like a little bit of a romantic, I guess. And you know, you have this idea. Like, uh, I had this idea in my mind of, of what a school should look and feel like. You know, okay. um, and uh, and just when I got up to that campus, man, and I had a great visit. I remember my host was uh my host was a, a great friend of mine now one of my best friends to this day who played on the dart on the team with me he was a uh year older than me lee birchall man and uh and i remember i had a great visit with him and he took me out to the to the green in the middle of the night the green was like our big uh kind of like central space and you know he's like man you gotta feel this and want this and I, I just remember man i remember it was it really was man what i thought it should be like you know um and everybody I met was cool, and uh, man, we we took the plunge and went up there, man. And I remember the the coach who, man, we rest in peace. He was a Hall of Fame coach, name of Bill Johnson. We used to call him Cha. Uh, I remember when he was recruiting me, you know, and obviously I'm this gullible kid, you know. He goes, and because I, I asked him, I was like, Coach, I mean, you know, how much golf are we playing, man? You know, it's <laughs> you know, it's in New Hampshire. He goes, Hey, old man, you have no idea. So we're in the we're in the valley up here in Hanover, man, and. And the mountains over there and the mountains over there, man, they kind of block out the storms and we don't get that much snow. And I was like, oh, okay, man, kind of makes sense to me, you know? Wow. Yeah, and then my, my freshman year snowed in October and I was like, oh, man, what's going on? <laughs> what's happening here? And this is, you know, this is not, um, you know, I think a lot of people that, that follow golf programs that also, you know, with the, with the benefits of social media, we see collegiate players on Instagram or Facebook or Twitter and they're practicing on these perfectly manicured practice areas, indoor hitting bays that have heat in them, and it's just it's it's easy. You can hit balls where it's twelve degrees out. What yeah. were, what were your practice sessions like? Which is what about the year two thousand one, two thousand two? Yeah, I mean, so I got I, up there ninety nine. Yeah, oh. so I mean, this is around around you know for us uh, for the millennials listening. Uh, let's let's hear what it was like about you know a little less than twenty years ago in New Hampshire playing college golf. Yeah. I, I mean, it wasn't great. You know, for me, you know, you grew up in Miami and like, you know, you hit balls before you play, like it's a very normal thing to do, Yeah. but up there that doesn't happen. You know, up there, you kind of go right to the TNT it up. So, you know, that took some adjustment. We had a range across the road, you know, I was probably, I would say a two mile walk from the, the clubhouse. Um, and <laughs> you know, it was like, you, you pick your own balls. Uh, you couldn't really hit driver. Um, uh, we had, there were some beautiful practice holes that we could play, but I mean, you know, you're kind of out in the woods and, uh, it's like 19 yeah, degrees out. Who the hell wants to be out there doing that? 
Yeah, man, yeah, exactly. You're wearing a ton of gear. You know, you're, I mean, you got mittens. I mean, it was, yeah. And, and picking your own balls in the mud, of course, it's the ground's very wet. So, right. you know, everything plugs and it's, you know, it's just, yeah, man, it was rough. Uh, and then in the winter time, oh, uh, we haven't we, even gotten to the winter part yet. Okay, go ahead. No, sorry. yeah, that was like, that was like when it was nice. Oh yeah, uh, that was good. Okay. In the winter time, we were, we went in Leveron Fieldhouse, which is like a, you know, a big indoor, you know, field house where like everybody, all the teams would practice. And then we used to hit Cayman balls, which are those, uh, reverse dimple balls, um, right into nets. And that was our extent of our practice. Uh, so needless to say, it wasn't, you know, ideal, man, but now I'll tell you, man, we, uh, we, the, (laughs) we, we've done a good job of, uh, raising money for the team and they have a couple track men's. they have a, a they have an indoor putting facility now uh they have they have a nice range only for them um now so they so that they, we've really set up our game in dartmouth and sure. and the team's a lot better man i mean you know uh they had a after we graduated they had a couple of great classes and uh they actually had a really good kid uh go through there who was a top 10 amateur in the world man believe it or not uh he had won the North South. He won the Southern Am. He was like right on the fringe of the Walker Cup. So, uh, so it's a program on the up and up, man. Those uh, big D one schools better watch out. Absolutely, absolutely. Well, you, uh, I mean, you were you were excellent player there. All New England honors as a freshman and a sophomore. You were the captain of the team. Uh, I mean, I mean, it had to have been a, just a really completely positive experience. Um, Tell me about after college. I know you play professionally on a handful of the developmental tours. Is that just something that you just had to go for? What was your mindset coming out of college? In my senior year, I was playing pretty well. Um, that summer, I had a decent amateur summer, man. And uh, and I was kind of delaying working, to be honest with you, man. But I wanted to give it a I'm shot. I'm still I delaying to what it, it too, so it's fine. But I wanted to see what it was like. You know, my dad's like, man, if you're going to do it, you know, you got to do it now. So, Man, he and my mom, you know, stepped up big time and helped me out. And, uh, you know, I played as much as I could um, and uh, played okay. You know, I could make cuts, you know, but, uh, you know, I started realizing that it wasn't for me when uh, I was, there was a couple events. It was like a three or four event swing where the Tour de las Americas, which is what I was playing, had uh, some events with the European Challenge Tour. Right. Um, and, uh, man, started hanging out and met this kid named Stephen Bowditch. Um, oh yeah i know yeah steven Bowditch, sure yeah man you know and and man we started we roomed together a couple of events and started hanging out man and i played a bunch of golf with him man and you know i remember we're in guatemala you know you're a little you're in elevation a little bit you know so you're up in the mountain a little bit so the ball flies farther but i'll never forget man when i started realizing that man this is probably not for me that these other guys are really really good was we were playing this like whole hum par five it was 520 yards and you know i hit a pretty good drive right down the middle and uh you know, I had 200 yards in, you know, so for, for my second shot, you know, it's pretty good T-ball for me. Sure. And, uh, I remember pacing off about 80 yards before I got to Steven's ball. So back then, this is 04. Steven hit it in Guatemala. So the ball goes farther, but he hit it 400 yards, you know? Um, and I was like, wow, I don't really have an extra 80 yards in me, you know? Right. And then, uh, I remember another event we're in Panama and we're hanging out and, you were at a bar and I tell him, Hey man, I'm going to go home. We both had tea times earlier in the next morning. And he's like, all right, man, I'm going to hang out, you know, here for a little bit longer. And I remember I, I woke up at six and I'm getting ready to go and, and in walks Steven and he'd been out all night, you know? And, uh, 
he goes out and beats me by threes leading the tournament, you know, without having slept. And I'm like, man, I don't, I don't, I don't have that gear, you know? Um, <laughs> have you, so, uh, have, have you kept in touch with Steven? Have you, have you, man, I have it, you know, and a bunch of guys that I know now know him and, but I haven't really been able to keep in touch with him, man. I, I hope to run into him, man. It's been a long time, but, uh, you know, uh, there was a lot of guys, man, out there that were really good back then, man. Uh, you know, Bubba Dickerson was playing, yeah, yeah. uh, you know, and he was really good. Uh, we had this kid from Bermuda who we played, who I played against in, in college named Michael Sim. Um, yep. who had the most beautiful golf swing I've ever seen in my life. And, you know, the guys were really good, man. And, uh, you know, like I was, I was good, but I wasn't, you know, those guys were really good. So kind of started winding it down. I, I kind of, uh, long story short, but ran into my wife and after a European Q school and kind of, you know, decided that, you know, I mean, like I kind of wanted to start dating her and kind of maybe build a family with her. And then I couldn't do both. So man, that's it. I, I kind of like, I was like, okay, man, this was fun. You know, I made okay money. Uh, you know, it's not going to support me and her. So, you know, we got to call this kind of quits, man. And, uh, and that's it. Then I think I played, you know, I think it was a total of like, I don't know, six, seven, eight months, man. Yeah. Um, and I had, I had a great time. I traveled all kinds of places and, and it was fun, man, but it wasn't, you know, it wasn't for me living, living out of a suitcase. You know, I remember a hotel, man. I, there was so many to event. We're playing in Florida. And I remember I found some motel and it was like 40 bucks a night, man. And I remember I, I backed my, I had an SUV back then, an old SUV. And I remember backing the SUV all the way to the front door of the motel room. So people couldn't yeah, get in the in. room. Oh, yeah, that's, that's brilliant. That is brilliant right there. <laughs> yeah, man. Uh, so, man, you know, uh, then started working and I uh, got my amateur status back and uh, just kind of played, you know, at Indian Creek, man. Uh, we got married and uh, joined Indian Creek and uh, and played a lot of golf there and just kind of hung out, you know, and then started playing competitive again. Um, gosh, when I became a mid-am. Um, you did the life. It wasn't for you with the travel and things like that. But you see a lot of a lot of people still going for it, playing the mini tours, chasing the dream. What, what advice would you have to some of these college players that, that listen or um, uh, guys on mini tours that are chasing it right now that might be listening to this podcast? What advice do you give for, for guys going down the mini tour route or the developmental route? Like there's a lot of guys trying to turn pro or turn pro and trying to make it right. And then, you know, I've been lucky and see a lot of good players, you know, um, and like, you know, I got a couple of questions I asked. I'm like, okay, so, you know, what's your best finish at a USGA event? Right. You know, what's the lowest, you know, that you shot for 72 holes? You know, what, what's your lowest round ever? And, and, and what tournaments have you won? You know, and, and if you can't say, you know, a lot of pretty impressive, you know, answers to those four questions, I think you're going to have a hard time. Okay. Know? Interesting. Yeah. Um, I think you're going to have a hard time. And that's, and that's, and that's not to be, man, that's not, you know, it's just, man, there's, the guys are really good, man. Yeah. I, I mean, mean it's, really it's not good. like you're saying that it's impossible. You're just saying, look, if you, if you look at the numbers and look at the likelihood and what you have stacked against you, if you can't like wow someone that's in that world with the answers, to those four questions. Yeah. I mean, I, I think you, you gotta be able to shoot 62, 63, 64. You, you gotta, you gotta take a double digit, you know, and my, and my requisite for four rounds is you gotta get to double digit under par. Um, yeah. you know, you have to, have, you know, match play at a USG event, you know, kind of deal. Um, 
Uh, and, and you got to win, you know, a, a couple tournaments, you know, uh, it could be anything, man, but you got to win, you know, and winning takes a long time and it, you know, it's, uh, it's, it's hard, man. Golf is really hard. Yeah. Yeah. When, uh, when have you asked that, uh, when have you asked that, those questions and got answers that have kind of knocked you back and said, Oh yeah, you might want to go chase this. Man. Like, so I think I I'm asked those questions. Yeah, I'm just curious if, if there's someone yeah, in mind. So yeah. So I think I ask those questions for guys that I don't think are going to make it. And, uh, and guys that I think are going to make it, you don't have to ask that. Right. Cause you see it, you okay. know, um, you know, there's a couple guys that are on the club, man, that you just see it, you know, they're, they're going to be, they're going to be fine. You know, a kid, uh, come, you know, Ryan Ruffles, man, you know, yeah. you know like number two ranked amateur in the world, you know, uh, I think he won the, the, the junior or whatever, the junior worlds in San Diego, you know, hits it 380 yards. Like, you know, he can shoot 64, 63 any given day. You know, that kid's going to be fine, you know. Um, and then there's other kids that, that don't have that, man. And that's when I would ask that and see how much they really want golf. Because if if, if they're going to make it, you know, and actually make a career out of it, man, they, they're going to have to work really hard, you know. Absolutely. So you get your amateur status back. You're you're married. You're starting a family. You're, you're transitioning to that part of life. How how much more fun are you having playing amateur golf than when you're playing professionally? Oh, man, you know how it is, man. We got a great crew of guys, man. And you and I hung out, like, when I started playing again, really, man. You know, in the FSGA uh, mid-amp stuff, man. And that was a lot of fun. That that Florida Cup we went to, yeah, uh, yeah. The, the Southeast Challenge matches. Uh, man, it's just a good bunch of guys, man. And everybody's in the same boat, you know. Uh, I read something hilarious the other day. It's like the... Uh, the after a tournament, you know, all the amateurs go check Instagram and 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 Twitter and stuff, and you know, trying to you know chase girls or whatever. And, Shocking! You know, all, no, what? What happened? Yeah, and all the mid ams go check, you know, your emails and your texts to see if you're still married and have a job. You know, <laughs> that's awesome. <laughs> um, so you you're, I mean, you've done really well with with you know entering playing as a mid am. I I think it's what four or five uh, U.S. mid ams you've qualified for, and I mean you're right in that area. You you've played uh, got to play world amateur team for for Puerto Rico. That had to be just a little bit. Uh, I mean, did you ever see that coming when you started playing golf? No, man, I didn't, you know, and, uh, it, the, the, the Puerto Rico deal, man, has been such a blessing and it, man, it's so amazing, uh, for lack of a better adjective it's perfect. To, be able, to be able to represent your country, man, um, in anything, you know, and I mean, it could be ping pong or, I mean, I wish I could play ping pong that good, but I mean, it could be, you know, it could be beer pong, you know, whatever it is to be able to represent your, your country's. It's just, uh, it, it's, it's, uh, it's been an incredible experience, man. I, I can't tell you how proud I am every time I get to do it. Uh, I love doing, it. I love competing for the team. And I, and I started late, man. I started, you know, as a mid am, um, and now I'm like the older guy there in the room and it feels great, man, uh, to be able to help the kids. We got a lot of young kids that have a lot of talent, um, that are coming up and, uh, yeah, man, it's been a lot of fun, man. I, and it's opened a lot of doors for me. Um, and, uh, man, I love it, man. I, I hope they keep having me. I mean, you know, I always joke with them. They, they don't want to have me cause I'm kind of old fat guy. Um, <laughs> but, 
but you know. <laughs> yeah, but you keep the kids under control. You're just you're just like a chaperone. You're the cha- you're the team captain, team chaperone. You keep them out of trouble. Well, actually, you probably don't keep them out of trouble, but yeah, I mean, you do, <laughs> you do the best you can. Um, yeah, man. You've no, you've got and you've played in the. I mean, the Latin America Amateur Championship started in 2015. You've played yep. in the first four of those. Um, yeah, and you've made the cut every year, and you're going against a lot of these high school and college players. You've made the cut every single year. I'm I'm always been fascinated by that tournament because I, I'm sure it's an honor to win it, and I'm sure it's an honor to play well in it. But everyone knows, or everyone that's familiar with it knows, that the winner gets an invite to the Masters. Is, yep. is that the just the overhanging aura of that event? Is that just on everyone's mind? Yeah, it's on everyone's mind. You know, it's it's. So first of all, that's the best run event I've ever played in, and really? I played in, okay. and I and I played in some good ones, man. Yeah, um, yeah. Um, it's just it's uh, everything is to the tenth power, you know. Everything is set up, everything is taken care of. Uh, you know, you you feel like you're uh, you feel like you're playing in a major, you know, like I mean, like a legit major. Uh, you know, limited field, only 108 guys. Uh. And you feel, man, like uh, like you're the king of the world that week, man. From the transportation uh, to, uh, you know, they have this great lady arranging your flights. Uh, you know, everything, man. The the goodie bag, the hotel setup, you know. And the Casa de Campo is just, you know, such a great venue for it. Sure. Uh, and, and, and everywhere we go, man, it's just been great. And the, the people really... The you know support the event uh, and you can't say enough about the guys from from the Masters man and those guys are walking around all week and they're in their jacket man they're uh-huh. they they make it an effort they make an effort to interact you know and get to know you uh, to the point now where I know a couple of the guys and that you know a, you know a couple of them come watch me play you know some holes and uh, man it's just you know I, you know I'm lucky and you know I live in the states but you know a guy lives you know. And wherever man in guatemala and, and wherever a case may be man that's it's a huge deal man oh, of um, course. it's uh it's just such a great event it does so much for golf i know all our juniors man you know they can't wait to to earn their spot in that field um it's just awesome man um that the tv coverage i mean listen ben it's just it's just they do such a good job man that's such a, a good job that's awesome well um you missed it this year, and I mean, it, we were talking right around the tournament. I'm like, "Hey, are you playing? What's going on?" So, can you tell me the reason why you missed this year, and then what you got to do afterwards? I love this story. Oh yeah, man. So, uh, so man, this year, uh, you know, my we, my wife really wanted to have a little girl. Um, we I have two great boys, nine and six, and you know, I thought I was done with kids, and but my wife, you know, she's like, "Man, I really want a little girl." you know, it, it made me so happy. So obviously you want to do everything for your wife. So I said, all right, let's try to have a little girl. But I was like, baby, I, I think I'm probably going to have a boy. <laughs> and you know what happens then? And she said, well, no worries. If we have a boy, I say we're done. Three's it, you know, okay. so, okay. so we're done. So I said, all right. So, you know, uh, we get pregnant and, uh, turns out we're gonna have a little boy, you know, and, uh, man, everything was great. Like the first 20 weeks. And then, uh, she started, uh, she started feeling some pains and they did a, like a little deeper check and uh, they put her on bed rest at home for, uh, for, I, I forgot how many weeks now, but like for four or five weeks. So that, that was a big change for me because I became Mr. Mom and dad and everything. So, 
so my September was awesome. I, I, I got, I went to the world am in Ireland. Um, I played in the crump. I, I try to, <laughs> I, I tried to qualify for the mid am and it would have been back to back to back. Those three, the, like it would have been four weeks of golf with my wife pregnant. And I remember I, I, I missed about an eight footer on 18 that would have put me in a playoff. And I remember like not being that upset about it. You yeah. know, it's just like, you know, it is what it is, you know? Yeah. Um, anyways, man, I, I had a great September, you know, wife is pregnant. She's like, okay, is your last hurrah? And I said, sure. But I had a couple of events coming up and, you know, I was looking forward to it. Um, when she went on bed rest, man, it kind of flipped everything around because, you know, I had to take the kids in the morning school. I had to pick them up in the afternoon. My, my parents were out of town. Her, her parents were in Asia and we live in Orlando alone. Uh, you know, we have our friends, but you know, we have no more support outside of that. So man, I became like mommy, you know, and, uh, and it was great. I had a great time with the kids, man. We did everything. I coached T-ball. I, you know, I took him to soccer practice. We went to soccer channels, the whole nine yards. But then my wife, she had pains again, and then she was on bed rest at the hospital, man. Oh, man. Um, so that made everything, you know, 10 times more complicated. Um, because, you know, then I lived in the hospital, you know, and uh, it was it was rough, man. I think we did that for for nine, nine weeks or 10 weeks. I, I don't remember. I don't remember, remember how many weeks. But, uh you know, I'm not playing that much golf, uh, and, um, and just kind of, again, dealing with the kids, but obviously that the lack was coming. And, uh, by all accounts, the baby was going to be born way premature. Uh, they in fact, they were telling us that we should consider aborting the baby because he wasn't going to be viable. Oh, wow. Yeah, man. And all this stuff. So man, we kept going and day by day and we were thinking, okay, any day now this baby is going to burst through and we're, you know, he's going to be born. Sure. And, uh, Man, my wife, you know, she did everything they told her. She was, you know, laid in a hospital bed for weeks and for months, really. And the baby wouldn't come. The baby wouldn't come. So, but now it's getting close to the lack. And the, by and, the, I'm uh, sorry, lack, you mean the Latin American Amateur Championship. Yeah. Perfect. Yeah. Okay. Getting, yeah. Getting ready for the lack. And, uh, and the baby's not born yet. I'm like, well, you know, I, I kind of told, you know, she kind of told me, he's like, well, the baby's not born by this day. You know, you, you shouldn't go. And I, and I, I agree with her. And I called, uh, I called the lack and I let them know and, uh, you know, they were, they were okay with it, I guess. Um, and they gave me a couple more days and they told me, look, man, you know, take a couple more days, which is nice of them and just be sure. And, uh, yeah. And then that Sunday before I, you know, I emailed them and said, I couldn't go. Man. And I think they gave the spot to, uh, somebody local, which is great. Yeah. Uh, so yeah, the baby was born the Thursday of the lack, man. So it was like, you know, the best thing I did was not go down there because I would have missed it. Oh, yeah. No, you can't do that. So, yeah. So you so you don't go down. You miss the you miss the very first one. You've played in all four of them. You missed this year. Yeah. Um, but you actually got to swing by Puerto Rico a little bit afterwards for just a little bit of golf. So, so tell me tell me about yeah, that. Yeah, man. So this is so crazy. So I, I was actually ramping up, man, and I, I'm working with my guy. Like my game was in really good shape. I felt really good for that lack. Uh so the lack this year was in Casa de Campo. Uh you know, I, I've grown up going there since I was a kid. I played that golf course a million times. Um I felt good. I I played really well the last time I was there. Had one bad round, but I but I played really well. I, I really thought I could contend. You know, I sleep in my own house, my own bed, the whole nine yards. But uh, I was bummed I couldn't go, but my game was in good shape, and I just had nothing to play in. So so right around the lock, I played this t uh, tournament here in Orlando for kids, uh, the Orlando 
international amateur and, and played really well. A kid went off, shot 19 under um, in three rounds and won it. But, man, I played well. I think I shot, uh, I think I shot 11, 12 under in three rounds. You know, finished fourth against a bunch of kids, decent field. So I felt good. Um, and then uh, the the president of the PRGA sent me a text, and he's like, "Hey, man, are you gonna come down and qualify for the Open?" And I didn't know what he was talking about. And uh, that's pretty cool when the president of the Puerto Rico Golf Association just shoots you a text like, "Hey, you want to swing on down?" Yeah, man, it was cool, man. And uh, and my the guy that that caddy for me in the qualifier, he texted me, he's like, "Hey, man, so are you gonna come down and?" And the PRGA was really cool. They, they, I signed up past their cutoff. So the qualifier was on a Friday, Saturday, Sunday. I ended up signing up Wednesday night. Oh my um, God. Yeah, and I flew down uh, Thursday night, got a flight, flew down Thursday night. And, uh, you know, it, it was at the golf course I grew up at, you know. So I, I played it enough. I kind of know it. I, you didn't have to be there and see it. But, you know, played really well. You know, played solid. Uh, uh, shot uh I think I shot seven under, yeah, seven under with it, and then with two shots, I ended up shooting five under for three rounds and got in, man, one by four. So got me in the Puerto Rico Open, man, which is next week, and I'm pumped about it, man. PGA event, Puerto Rico Open. So that's uh, that's a pretty great. Uh, I mean, you, you have another boy, which, well, sorry, but I know that your wife was hoping for a girl, but you get another boy and he's healthy, and then you're then you shoot down and you're playing in your second PGA Puerto Rico Open. Um, yeah that and when do you leave for that uh i'm gonna i'm trying to book everything now but uh hope to fly down monday morning and uh play a p-round uh monday afternoon and tuesday and it's cool you know a couple of guys from the club here are going down so it'll be fun to go down there and know some guys and not be like a complete you know noob um <laughs> so man i'm looking forward to it man uh, guys reached out and they said they want to play a practice round with me which was really nice of them and uh yeah, man, I'm I'm pumped, man. It's a it's a golf course. I've won there before. Uh, there's a lot of wind uh, usually, so you know scores aren't low. Uh, the, the greens are past problems, so it's kind of tough to make cuts. So it's not like somebody's gonna go off. So uh, man, it should be it should be a lot of fun. Uh, obviously, you get to tee it up with the best in the world, man. And uh, you know the the Puerto Ricans, man. Uh, it's a great crowd. Uh, I know a lot of you know a lot of friends from down there are going. Yeah, I can't wait, man. That's gonna be awesome. Who uh, who you got your practice round set up with? I know you're you're member member out at Windermere. Is that right? Uh, member out of Alworth, man. My Alworth, wife and I joined Alworth, yeah, about about uh, four years ago, man, and we loved it, man. But but Arjun uh, Atwal got in the event. I played a lot of golf with him. He's like, man, let's play a practice round. I think uh, and I think uh, Appleby got in too, man. So we're gonna to try to tee it up. So it should be fun. Nice. So those are kind of your home games at uh, at Isleworth. Well, you know, Stewart practices a lot, and he's playing Arjun. You know, Arjun comes to go. He goes plays that Asia tour, and he'll be gone for a couple of months. But when he's in town, man, we play a lot. We play a lot of golf. He actually he beat me in the the first uh, club championship I played. I I, I should have clipped. It was match play, and we get to the third extra hole, and uh, he made an unbelievable. Guy has the greatest hands you ever seen in your life, man. He made this just unreal up and down on three at Alworth to beat me. And uh, man, we play a lot of golf, man. He's he's uh, he's a great guy. He actually gave me a great tip. On I, I wasn't chipping that well. Um, and, uh, you know, Isleworth, man, they got – when it gets a little wet, it's tough to chip. You know, as witnessed by Tiger back then, you know, three, four, five years ago when I was, you know. Sure. Like, it, it could eat your confidence quick because you got to get the ball up. Everything's elevated, man. And we played this little event. Uh, I chipped the ball so poorly, and I, I was kind of lost, and I had no confidence, man. And uh, 
Arjun gave me a tip, and I went down to that qualifier, and I hit the ball really well. But I remember one hole in the second round, I missed the green. I, uh, I hit a poor tee ball, and I was in the hazard, and I hit this miraculous shot out, and I and I hit it a long right, and I used that chip, and I chipped it in, man. So, um, uh, what's man, the tip? For, what's the tip? Man, he just said something like, "When you're nervous, or when you when you know when you when when you gotta make sure you make con-, you know." He saw me pitch a couple, and he basically called me an idiot for doing what I was doing. <laughs> uh, you know, and a guy like that again, you watch him pitch and chip the ball; he's unbelievable. So, you know, he tells you something. I, I did it, man, and it was good, man. It was just about you know, basically about keeping my weight a little further left. Uh, okay. So something stupid, um, and he's seen me play enough that you know he's like, "What do you, you know?" I think he called. I did, in fact, I think he did call me stupid. Um, <laughs> so uh, man, he helped me out. He's he's a good guy. So what um, you know, I'm listening to to your you know basically detailing your life where you're just you're you got the kids, you know, you're 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 being mom and dad when your when your wife is on bed rest, and you're you're trying to play. I know you work for a living. Um, I know you're kind of in the family business. Your your family has uh, car dealerships, if I'm uh, correct. What is it? Is it headquarter Honda? Is that right? Yep, yep. We uh, got a. Uh, yep, we're in the car business, man. We sell Toyota, Honda, Hyundai, and Mazda, man. Okay. Uh, and I just got a man. I got an unbelievable team, man. Um, and uh, you know they they do a good job, so I can play a little golf, man. You know. Uh, my uh my, my remember my grandfather told me once man and he's you know he's great he told me he goes man if you know if <laughs> if i gotta be at the office i'm not doing my job man so um yeah man it's i've been lucky man the guys are great and uh and the girls and and uh man they give me some freedom and you know honestly i have like my wife is so understanding of this and come like you know she knows how much i like competing man and my friends will tell you man i, I compete in everything man i anything i do i like competing in and uh she knows what it means to me man so she's cool and then really lets me play um which is phenomenal man so like i mean and and that's great that you have that support behind you but i guess the question i want to ask that you can kind of relay that to people listening is that you know a lot of mid-ams a lot of you know they they work they got the wives they got the kids well maybe not multiple wives but they have a wife and they have kids or husbands or whatever and even, you know, even ladies, you know, they, they got to balance the kids and men have to, you know, everyone has things they have to balance. Are there things that you really focus on when you're working on your game to get ready? Maybe what are some tips that you can share for, for people that have limited amount of time, but still would like to get out and enjoy golf? You know, Ben, I, as I get older, man, and, and, I, and I feel like I keep getting better at golf. I don't know how, but, but I feel like I keep getting better and, and as I get older, man, I realize a couple of things. When I tell this to, to my friends all the time, man, it's like, you know, I'm, you know, I, I got what I got. You know what I mean? Like, my game's my game, right? And, like, I'm never going to hit the ball like like Rory. You know, I'm never going to, you know, I, I, your game is your game. And I think as you get older, man, you, you, you just got to figure out a way to manage your game, you know, and, and, and manage your miss. And, and, and as you get experience from playing, you, 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 you get tendencies of what you do, you know, under pressure. Um, and, and it's, you know, you gotta be honest with yourself, you know, when you're assessing, you know, after a tournament, you know, what were you thinking? You know, how were you, how were you feeling, man? And then it's just a matter of, of, of putting yourself in a situation again and overcoming it, man. And I think that, you know, every time I, you know, every time I play a tournament, man, I, I try to learn something, man. And I've been lucky and I play with a lot of good players, man. And, um, I, I play with a lot of good players, man. And, uh, you know, every time I play with them, man, I try to learn something, man. Um, 
and the mid amps, you know, the good mid amps are so good, man. You yeah. know, yeah. We, uh, you, you know, I, listen, you know, you know, Thad, uh, Thad Hudgens. Yep. Huey you Magoo. Know, he's my boy, man. And, and, and man, he went through a stretch there, man. He was a couple of years where the guy was just, I was like, man, this guy's as good as anything, you know, I don't like, and, uh, and you learn and I learned from him, you know, and, and what he was practicing and thinking and that kind of deal. And, you know, I got lucky and played with Hagestad a couple rounds, man. And, you know, see him in competition and the way he thinks and does. And man, I, you know, I try to be a sponge and I try to learn from all these guys and, you know, try to apply it to, to my game. And then I think if I was going to give advice is that, you know, it gets to the point where, you know, where you got what you got and, and you got to just play your game man. and, and your game is what's gotten you there forever, you know, and you just got to trust it. You got to trust what you have, man. And I think something that I've done, uh, as I get older, man, I just trust what I have, man, you know, and, and it's, it's been working, man. It's been, um, it's been, it's been a good ride. No, absolutely. I mean, you're, what you've been able to accomplish, uh, and I mean, and also just the really cool experiences of, I mean, Anyone can go, not anyone, but it's open to anyone to go qualify for USAM or US Midam. But just the 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 Latin America Championship, the the World Amateur Team for Puerto Rico, that has to be just a, an incredible honor to be able to do that. And then, oh by the way, you're going to go tee it up in a PGA Tour event next week. So um, that's that's incredible. I I would like to close the episode out. I, I've kind of saved this for last because it is it may be a story that some people will know or they'll say, oh, yeah, I remember that. I know this story. I know a lot of your friends, obviously your friends and your family know a lot about this story. But this is we're going to go back to about, I think, about 2010. And this uh, this story kind of culminates a little bit with the 2011 U.S. Mid-Amateur. So. I think it's an incredible story about keeping things in perspective and how golf kind of got you through a very difficult part of your life. It's an incredible story. Tell me about kind of bring you back to about 2010, uh, where, where this chapter kind of started for you. Yeah, it was actually, uh, 2011. Um, it was March, uh, 2011, man. And, uh, I'd gone down to Indian Creek down in Miami. I, I go down there like that third week of March is when the club championship and, Love playing in that event, man. I love that. You know, guys that know me know how much I love Indian Creek, man. I, I just, I think it's just the greatest place on earth. And uh, uh, so I love playing the club championship, man. I love, you know, having an opportunity to compete and win it. And uh, so I was down there playing, man. And uh, my sister was getting married in April. And she had, I was a groomsman. And she had asked us to, to, to get fitted for these suits she wanted us to wear for her wedding. And. It was the, uh, I think it was at the second round. I had played pretty, I was playing really well. I played really well. And, uh, and then afterwards went to go get fitted for a suit. And, uh, you know, I'm, I had been kind of working out back then too. I was actually trying to take care of myself and I was in a little better shape than I am now. So, I, you know, for me, I was in shape. I was almost at my fighting weight. And, uh, I remember I'm trying on suit and the guy comes and measures my neck and the guy told me I was a size, uh, I was a size uh, 18 and a half or 19 neck, right? And I was like, come on, man. What's wrong with you? You know, what, <laughs> how did, you know, let's measure that. He's like, no, no, man. You're like an 18. I think it was 18. You're an 18 neck. And I said, uh, okay, well, you know what? It must be because I'm working out my traps or something. You know, I must be getting big. You're a beast. So, uh, yeah, I'm, I'm getting huge, right? So we end up, uh, anyways, we, I started trying on. So I tried on the suit. I, I was good. Then I try on a shirt. And when I try on the shirt, I'm like, you know what? Let me get a look at these traps. Let me see what it looks like, you know? 
And uh, and I look, man, and and I got this giant ball, you know, like a big mass in my neck. And I'm like, oh. And I remember the guy, the the guy was a he was a Cuban, you know, uh, uh, Taylor. Taylor, yeah. And, and I remember he goes, he goes, ooh, you know. Uh, and I was like, yeah, that's probably not good. And I remember seeing it, and I was like a little freaked out. And I called my wife. I'm like, hey, babe, got this crazy thing on my neck. Um, you know, and she flipped out, you know, she's like, you gotta go right now. And I was like, yeah, man, I got the final of the club championship tomorrow. Like, I don't really want to do, you know, go right now. Like, let me call my doctor friend. I have my doctor buddy. I called him. I was like, Hey man, um, I got this on my neck and he goes, okay. So and the guy's super calm, very cool guy. And he goes, so he goes, Hey, what do you have going on tomorrow? And I remember telling him, I was like, hey, F, man, I, you know, I got a tournament that I really want to play in, and, and then I have nothing. He goes, okay, well, this is what you're going to do. You're going to go play in the tournament, and then right afterwards, uh, you, you're going to go see my buddy at, at the at the hospital. And I did just that, man. I, I, I played the next day and kind of had that in the back of my head mind, but, you know, you forget about it, and, and just I played golf, and I played really well that day and, and ended up winning the club championship. And then, man, right afterwards went to, uh, to the hospital. I, I saw my buddy's friend. And the guy looked at me and he goes, man, you know, 99% chance you got cancer. Oh. And I was like, oh, you know, and that, man, that, I remember my dad was there with me in the room and uh, they really hadn't done any tests. You know, the guy's like, man, your age, what I'm looking at. He goes, yeah. And, uh, you know, he goes, man, you know, chances are what you got. I, but he goes, look, man, we're going to do some tests and we'll confirm it all, man. Sure. But, but when he said that, you know, I was just like, boom, you know. Oh, yeah. The the word, the, the, the bottom falls out because, I mean, it's one thing if they do the test, but this guy's just eyeballing you. I mean, yeah. 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 And I mean, the guy's a heck of a doctor. He, I know he ended up being right, obviously. Oh, uh, yeah. But, uh, you know, then we got lucky, man. Uh, my, my dad, I knew a guy at the MD Anderson in Houston. Um, man, they were able to see me right away. Um, ended up flying up to Houston. Uh, on my flight up, the, the oncologist in Miami is like, hey, man, it looks like you got Hodgkin's lymphoma, which is actually, you know, man, I got very lucky because that's the one you want, man. Um, if you're going to have cancer, that's, that's, that's a great one to have. Um, they, they've studied it for so long. They, 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 you know, they don't have it pegged, but they have a very good idea of how to, you know, how to, how to kind of beat it, man. So, um, got to Houston and, uh, I remember, uh, I met my doctor, uh, Dr. Wang and, uh, yeah, he was a little bit of a golfer and he found that I was a golfer and man, the guy was unbelievable. And then the MD Anderson, they're, they're, they're huge on your mental health. You know, they think it's just as important as everything they're doing, you know, so, uh, Dr. Wong is like, man, what do you like to do? And 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 he decided that they weren't going to give me a port because if they gave me a port, I couldn't play golf. Wow. So he's like, man, I, he's like, man, I want you to play golf. You know, I want you. To, he's like, man, just when they give you the chemo, it's going to suck because they're going to have to stick you every time. And and man, the chemo, little known fact, but it hurts, man. Sure, the, the, of course. The uh, the the drug, the drugs, they they burn your veins, um, and you feel it, man. It's it's a really strange thing. Uh, but that was a trade-off, man. I played a lot of golf. We actually, uh, we, we joined uh champions golf club out there. Jackie Burke's place in yeah. Houston, man. We, we had a, we met a great group of guys that the, the guy that hosted us, a guy, uh, got great guy by the name of Steve Marlin. Um, and, uh, they, there's, they have a great scratch game there Saturday mornings and I played in it and, uh, man, just, it was a great place to work on the game, man. And, uh, 
met so many good people in Houston, including my doctor, man. And I'll tell you, this, I, I think this story is, is even better. So the best round I ever had in my life was I shot 62, okay? okay. And I shot it with Dr. Wang at, at Westwood Country Club in Houston, okay? And uh, it was right before we were about to start treatment. And Dr. Wang pulled on where we're hitting balls. And, you know, he's a Chinese guy that works 18 hours a day. You know, his golf swing's not very good, you know. So I'm watching him hit a couple balls and... You know, he's like, hey, let me tell you something. I said, what's up, doc? He goes, I'm going to cure you, man. Don't worry about it. That's what he told me before we played. That's awesome. Hey, man, the hole looked like a swimming pool, man. <laughs> I mean, it was, it was, I mean, I never hit the ball better in my life. I mean, it was just the greatest thing. I remember after nine, I missed a putt on nine that for 29. Um, and my dad, I was playing with my dad and Dr. Wang and his friend, Dr. Chaplin. And my dad looked at me, he goes, man, was that for 29? I said, yeah. And he goes, okay. The Dr. Wang and Dr. Chaplin had no idea, okay, what I had just done. They right. had no concept of what I, I mean, they had no concept. But so they, they're like, oh, let's stop for lunch. And I was like, what? 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 Wait a minute. <laughs> so, man, we stopped for lunch. Oh, and, uh, man, we had like an hour lunch, you know? And like, and I was like, okay. No, they, all I right, so tell, so tell me about the lunch. No, I'm kidding. No, uh, man, it was like, <laughs> I still, they, they still had no concept. I didn't bring it up either. Um, but you know, we were talking about all kinds of other stuff, you know, but they're chewing on napkins, like get me out there. Yeah. And, uh, so after 45 minutes or to an hour, we go out to the 10th hole. We had, you know, cold, you know, I hit like a beat drive. It was pretty easy hole. Hit like a beat drive, like a wedge to like 25 feet and like three putt, man. And I was like, Oh my God, man, what is it? But then I went on a tear, man. And and I ended up shooting 62 that day. And I had my buddy, uh, uh, Jason out there, man, and uh, he actually had the course record, coincidentally, and he's like, uh, what are you doing? I'm like, no, man, I'm playing really well, you know, you know, I'm at 10 under. He goes, dude, that's the course record. You got it. 18 was like this pretty easy par 5. He goes, man, you make par here, you got it, man. And and I remember I, I hit in the right hazard, took a drop, put in the greenside bunker, and got up and down for par uh, to shoot 62. So so that was great, man. So the reason I bring that up is I, I was playing golf, you know, and yeah. – uh, and it was part of my routine, and I would get treated on uh, on Tuesday mornings, and then by like Thursday, felt good enough to go play, and you know, try to hit some balls Thursday. Then I felt good, you know, we play Friday, and then kind of hang out, man. So, um, we, this this uh, a friend of my dad's took us out to Shadowhawk uh, to play, just to try a different golf course in Houston. There's a thousand of them, but you know, to try it. And and he's like, man, the the mid amps here this year, you should try to qualify. And I said, man, you know what? I'm going to do it. So I remember I signed up. There was a qualifier in, in uh, I think it was called like Grand Oaks or something in Houston. And uh, went down and played a P round and, uh, you know, kind of figured out the timing. And I was like, I think that we could do it. I think we could, you know, by then that, that had stopped getting chemo and I was just doing radiation once a day. So we moved my radiation appointment for like in the afternoon. Uh, she gave us plenty of time in the morning to go play, you know. And, man, I played great that day. I mean, I remember I made seven birdies and kind of, like, really choked on the way in. Imagine I didn't play tournament golf in I don't know how long. Right. Uh, so I really kind of choked on the way in and uh, to shoot. I think I shot two under uh, with seven birdies. So, you know, not, like, a phenomenal finish. Um, and uh, and I was like, oh, all right. I got to go get treated. So see you later, man. And I, I thought it was going to be good enough anyway. Because, you know, sometimes you play well, you know it, you know. Right. So, uh Man, I'm looking at the scores and I'm sitting there getting treated. I'm like, Dad, I think we're gonna go to a playoff, man. 
And he goes, stop it. I said, Dad, I think we got to go to a playoff, man. So, man, I so they and finished you're in, my trip. And you're in the hospital getting radiation. You got your phone out. You're checking scores. And, yes. And you're doing cancer treatment, and you're telling your dad, hey, and you're telling the people at the hospital, hey, let's uh, let's wrap this up. I got to go back to work. Yeah, man. So we did, man. And, and and again, Ben, when we were doing it, it, it was nothing. It wasn't until after we did it, we're like, holy shit, man, did that really just happen? Right. So you, so you go back to the course. I think it's I think it was like a five for four or four for three. Something yeah, like that. it was, man. It, it was a it was a pretty easy setup, man. It was a five. That's exactly what it was. It was a it was a five for four. Um, My caddy had left, I think. So I forgot who cat ended up caddy for me. Um, And uh Man, just made like all pars, you know, and like I think I had a good up and down, like the second playoff hole. I made like I make a pretty good up and down for par, and then I think I made four pars to get in. And no, it was like I remember walking back from the green of the playoff hole, and I I remember looking at my dad, and I was like, Dad, did did that just happen? You know, did, did did we really just go get treated, come back, and qualify in a playoff? I was like, man, that's crazy. And, uh, man, it was great, you know. Uh, and that, that mid-am was fun, man. So I think the mid-am was, like, early September that year. Um, I had gone home already. I, had, I think I had finished treatment and then came back out. I met a great guy out there, uh, a friend of mine, uh, Tommy Mock, uh, who's a friend of mine to this day, man. And Tommy caddy for me in the mid-am, and he took great cat care of me, man. And uh, uh, we, we played really good, man. And. I messed up. It's the story I tell everybody, man. I, I remember I, um, the second the the second day in the morning, I played really well. I hold out for eagle on like a really tough part four. I think it was the, I think it was the third or fourth hole there. Um, I dunked a five iron from like two hundred five. Then I birdied like a tough part three, and I, like I I was kind of in the cut line, you know. And then I got to the ninth hole, which is my last hole, man. And it was like the easiest par five on the whole two golf courses, man. It was like it's like 540, like a little lake on the right, and like all of Texas to the left. And it was they had like this big bunker right in front of the green. All you had to do was like hit it left in the rough and just kind of like chunk a three wood into the front bunker and get up and it was like really easy hole. And I remember, man, I hit a drive right in the middle of the lake. <laughs> oh man. <laughs> and I knew and on the tee, I knew what I had to do, man. But I remember just Like all the emotions coming back, like all the stuff that I was thinking about that wasn't, you know, hitting a good golf shot. You yeah, know, it was just you, like, you're thinking about what got you there instead of what you had to do right then and there. Yeah, man. So I remember I hit I, and I hit a tee ball right in the middle of the lake. I dropped one. I hit in these trees. I hit like a ridiculous shot from these trees to like 50 feet. Okay, on the green, and I make it. Oh no! To go to a playoff. And this playoff was like the opposite. It was like 20 for two or something. Oh, yeah. Those are terrible. I, f- I always feel bad whenever I hear about those. Any Every year at the USAM or the US Mid Am, yeah. there's always that to get into match play. These 23 poor bastards got to get up at 7 a.m. for like two spots. Yeah, man. So I was in a 20 for two. And man, like I tried to get aggressive on the first hole and I made, uh, I think I ended up making like triple bogey or something, man. Yeah, I, But, didn't, uh, I didn't get you through. <laughs> That didn't get me through, man. But you know, yeah, it was it was a cool experience, man. I you know, crazy times that you know you don't you don't know think about, but that you did, but you did, man. It was it was a cool story, man. And uh, no, it's, you know, a, my, it's a great one. Yeah, I couldn't have done it there with my my family, man. And uh, 
Yeah, it was fun, man. It was fun. So before we wrap it up, what, uh, I mean, what's next? I mean, you're, you got the, you got the PGA tour event next, next week. Uh, do you set big goals for that and for the rest of the year, or do you just kind of take things as they come and just play golf and have fun? What's your, what's kind of your mindset of golf moving forward? Yeah. So I, you know, unfortunately now with it, it's tough, like to play a lot of events, you know, um, so I, I got to try to figure out which ones I can play, which ones fit. You know, we, we have a great one in April uh, down at Seminole that, that unfortunately I had to withdraw because uh, my sister's getting married, man. It's that same weekend. So, um, you know, man, I got to figure it out which ones I can go to, which ones I can, and uh, man, try to compete when I can. And and when I can't, man, I got to go back to, to going to work and being a dad. And uh, now my wife's back home, so it's nice having a wife again. There you go. Uh, yeah, so uh, you know, I you know I'm coaching the kids in baseball now, and in in, in, uh, in the spring, so I'm coaching both teams, and I mean, just you know, listen, golf is a great escape. Uh, it, it's just an incredible game. Uh, the fact that we can compete, you know, for for a long time, um, I think is what makes it one of the greatest games, you know. Uh, and and I have fun, Ben. You listen, the guys I've met, man, I met. You know, some of my best friends are from the golf games, um, are from tournaments. Uh, man, the experiences you have, our wives meet, they, they, they become friends, you know, they're, it's just awesome, man. So, um, you know, I'll try to keep it going as long as I can, man. As long, as long as my wife will let me basically. That's a, that's, that's a strategy, man. That's smart. That's smart. Yeah. Until you check your phone and you know, I mean, they're not married or don't have a job. anymore, right? (laughs) I think you're going to be just fine, man. I think you're gonna be fine. Well, well, I, uh, man, I really do appreciate uh, you joining me and, and us uh, finally getting this together. I really wanted to get your story out there under the under this podcast, and uh, I wish you the best of luck with uh, with the Puerto Rico Open next week. We'll definitely send a little bit of a good luck mojo down your way, and uh, go ahead, top ten that shit, and get into another PGA Tour event if you're going to be down there. I mean, go ahead. Let's go, baby. No, I got listen. I I got goals. I I, I like that golf course. I. Man, I think if I the first the first tour event I the first time I played in it, man, the the first hole I was so nervous. I I can't even. It was it was it was crazy. I I've never been that nervous playing golf, you know, ever. I remember I had like a three footer for bogey on one, and I remember thinking to myself, I was like, man, you have no chance of making this, you know, like <laughs> like like just just cozy this one down there because it's not going in, man. Let's just move on to the next hole. So I remember I started off with double, and I was like, oof. All right, good man. You you messed up already. You got it out of the way. There you now go. go play golf. And I think I birdied the second hole. But you know, uh, listen. It, I think if again you learn from experiences, and uh, if I can control my emotions, man, it's, it gets windy down there, Ben. Really windy, man. So you know, you just kind of golf your ball around and uh, make a couple birdies and see what happens there at the end, man. Before I let you go, I just had one last question. Who's the best player you've ever competed against? Man, so believe it or not, the best player, best player I ever played with uh, is is uh, Eric Compton, man. Um, oh, you got a Compton story. Oh, I love that. I mean, that's see, that's crazy that of all the people you've played with, because I know you've, I mean, you had to play with Ray Floyd. You played with his sons. You had to have played with, I think, uh, I mean, gosh, all the people up at Isleworth. And the guy that you that just comes up right away is another guy that's fought through a health scare to play really great golf on, and he was a PJ professional. Yeah, Eric Compton, man. I you know I played a little golf with him. In fact, I ruined with him a couple of times, but 
I Eric Collins is the only person that I played around a golf with. And he, I, I'll never forget it, man. We we played in the afternoon one day at Indian Creek, and uh, I think he shot sixty six. Okay, but he didn't miss one shot in eighteen holes, man. Meaning like, you know, if he had to hit a low cut, he hit a low cut. If you know the pin was front right, he had to hit a high fade. He hit a high fade. You know, he if he had to turn her over low, he did it, man. It was just incredible, man. I. I'll never forget that round of golf, man. That that to me was like a, like a, I mean, it was like picture perfect. I was like, man, I gotta, <laughs> I gotta figure out how I can do that, man. Um, so that that was the best best round of golf I ever seen, man. With with the Compton, that was most impressive golf I ever seen. Oh, I got a good, uh, I got a good. Uh, so this guy, you know, the guy I won on Web like a couple weeks ago. Last name is Dow. Yeah, Marty Doe. Marty Doe. Marty Doe. All right. So I got a good Marty Doe story. So, so I got, I actually, I got lucky, man. I got paired with Patrick Reed at the U.S. Amateur. I got paired with Thomas Peters at the World Am in Turkey. And I got paired with Marty Doe in the World Am in Japan. Okay. Okay. And, uh, final round, we're playing with China. It was a big deal. We, we actually, we, we played really well that year in Japan, um, the first couple of rounds. So, so we got paired with China, which was kind of like a big deal. China obviously is really good at golf. Yeah. So I'm playing with Marty Dow. And it's like it's like the 11th hole, man. And this kid is really good, A. But B, the kid would never grab the pin. Never. So finally, like, you know, I get pissed. I'm like, hey, man, do you know how much a pin weighs? And the guy looked at me. I'll never forget. Back then, he had like he was wearing this bucket hat and this, these glasses, man. And he looked at me like completely dumbfounded, man, you know, uh-huh. until he realized why I was, you know, right. asking how much a pin weight. You know, I was like, man, you haven't grabbed one all day. And, uh, man, he was like, man, I'm so sorry. You know, and, and this is what you learn when you play you know, with different cultures. He was, man, in China, the first guy that holds out goes to the next tee box. You know, he doesn't wait around and grab the pin and put it in, man. He's gone, man. So he goes, that's why I haven't grabbed the pin. I'm sorry, man. Oh, so, wow. Yeah, man. So that's my Marty Dow story. He was on tour. and um, He was really good, man. <laughs> really that's, good. That's, yeah, of course. And that guy, I mean, I don't know how old he is now, but he still looks like he's 14. I think I think he is 14. Oh, okay. I think he okay, clear that up. Perfect. I appreciate that. Uh, uh, let's see. So Patrick Reed uh, at the USAM. I any. I mean, there's probably not much you can tell me about Patrick Reed at that point, is there? There isn't, man. Uh, I didn't he, think he so. Was, I, he was. Uh, he was actually. Uh, he was a gentleman with us, man. He. Uh, that was. I think if he would have played well, he would have been in the Walker Cup. And uh, man, I. <laughs> I think twice. He flew it. You know, Southern Hills is really hard, man. Yeah. Um, just tough greens, elevated. And I think twice he flew it and hit a pin, and the ball would come back down the fairway like 40 yards. So the guy got kind of hosed a couple times. And he was actually, man, he he, he was fine back then, man. Um, he was fine. I tell you, Thomas Peters, when I played with him in Turkey, was a really impressive kid, man. He was really nice, really cool, really down to earth. And, you know, he was world number two or three or four, or whatever he was back yeah. then. Yeah, he played at Illinois, so he was. Yeah, yeah. played at Illinois, won NCAA's, and uh, I remember we hit it off because he drove a Honda Accord in Illinois. Oh, perfect! Uh, so you're that, set. That yeah, company. there you go. So I was making fun of him because he hadn't changed the oil in his Honda Accord in like seven years or something. <laughs> um, uh, 
but man, he was so good and, and played so well under pressure. And he had all these expectations and he had camera crews and, uh, just like a whole entourage watching him play from Belgium, man. And, and the guy just hit shot after shot after shot. That kid was, was really impressive. And obviously you know what he's done since, man. Oh, of um, course. Uh, well, uh, man, Hero, this is just a really, really a treat. Again, I really do appreciate you joining us here at the back of the range. Good luck next week at the, uh, at the Puerto Rico Open, my friend. Enjoy that. Uh, thanks, Ben. Yeah, looking forward to it. Thanks for having me, man. I hope, uh, yeah, it was a lot of fun, man. These are, these are cool. And-, and there you have it. Another great episode here at the back of the range. Special thanks to Geronimo Esteve for joining us this week. Good luck to you, man, down at the Puerto Rico Open. We're all going to be sending some good luck mojo your way. I mentioned Rogue Theory at the beginning of this episode. This is their original song, Two Thirds, so hope you enjoy that. Remember, all the links to our social media channels are in the show notes of this episode. Enjoy the music. We will see you next week here at the Back of the Range. When I move, oh, I can wreak havoc. Then I think, oh, I make my Wondering what I did for joy when I'm throwing out my dice.